Let us pray together. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and my desires and be careful to keep my laws. Father, as we have gathered here on another Sunday, another week has passed, Lord. You have been faithful this past week and you are faithful today, right now in this moment. And faithful you will be, you will continue to be tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, even when I take my final breath here on earth. For the next generation and the generation that will come after that, throughout time for all of generation you will be faithful faithful you have been faithful you are and faithful you will be for you are not a God who changes you are not a shifting shadow here today and gone tomorrow we can trust in your name in the glory of your name the God who doesn't change who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So God, as you transition to your message, I pray, God, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, Lord, may it be pleasing in your sight, O God. For God, you are my rock and my redeemer, my Lord and my strength. Speak to us, Lord, especially during this season, for we are hungry and desperate for more of you. We love you, we thank you. Pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, in my pray, and God's people pray. Amen and amen. Happy Sunday, everyone. Uh, happy Pentecost Sunday. It's a Christian holiday. It falls 50 days after Easter. But today, the message will not be on Pentecost Sunday. But before I go ahead and continue on our Philippine series, let's just go ahead and talk about what Pentecost Sunday means, what the Holy Spirit means. So again, Pentecost Sunday, the holiday, reminds us, it brings us back to when the Holy Spirit came and touched the apostles that's mentioned in the book of Acts. So the question is, who is the Holy Spirit? We understand through Scripture that Holy Spirit is a person, is a divine being, is a divine person. Simply put, Holy Spirit is God. That he is a being with a mind, emotions, and will, and he has a will. Holy Spirit thinks and knows. Holy Spirit can be grieved. Holy Spirit can intercede, and Holy Spirit makes decisions. We understand through Scripture that Holy Spirit is our counselor. He is our comforter in our time of need, in our time of grieving. Holy Spirit is a being without matter. You could pick up a ball and you can bounce it around. And you and I, as human beings, we are, we are composed of matter. Matter possesses weight, has size, color. It takes up space. It can be measured. It can, be, it can have weight. It can have shape. It can have dimension. But Holy Spirit, we understand through Scripture that Holy Spirit has substance but not material substance. That's why when we see Jesus, when he comes and he sees the disciples, after he resurrects, when the door is locked and the door is closed, Jesus is able to go through the wall 
and he's, he comes into a locked room after his death. So we understand Holy Spirit is a spirit. It is not matter. He is a person. He has intelligence. He has love. He has memory. He can communicate with you. He can love you, and therefore can, he can be hurt and be grieved if we choose to ignore him. This is why Jesus told Nicodemus that you must be born again, born of the Spirit. That flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. That's what we learn in Ezekiel chapter 36. That we see and we, in the passage it says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. So to be born again is to have God revive the spirit within us to be re- regenerated in our spiritual lives. To have spiritual rebirth, that's what it means to have salvation. And it goes on in verse 27, And I'll put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. That he will give us a new spirit that he will remove from us, a heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh, a heart that is alive. A few quotes here. A.W. Tozer, he said this about the Holy Spirit. And I pray that we'll be empowered and remember who the Holy Spirit is during this Pentecost Sunday. He says this, I cannot bring him here. I could only tell you that he is here. That is all. I can tell you that he is present in our midst, a knowing, feeling personality, He knows how you are reacting to what I am saying. He knows why you came. He knows what you are going to say as soon as you get out of your sidewalk. He knows how you are thinking now. He knows your uprising and your down-sitting and understands your thoughts afar off. And you cannot hide from him. He is present in our midst. I will send another comforter to you and he will abide with you. Therefore, he is here among us. Another quote he says, If Christians are forbidden to enjoy the wine of the Spirit, they will turn to the wine of the flesh. Martin Lowe-Jones says this, You can have knowledge and you can be meticulous in your preparations, but without the unction of the Holy Spirit, you will have no power and your preaching will not be effective. There is very real danger of our putting our faith in our sermon rather than in the Spirit. Our faith should not be in the sermon. It should be in the Holy Spirit himself. Hudson Teller says this, Since the days of Pentecost, has the whole church ever waited on God so that the Spirit's power might be manifested? We give too much attention to method and machinery and resources and too little to the source of power. Derek Prince says this, that we cannot effectively serve God without the Holy Spirit. A.B. Simpson, founder of Christian Missionary Alliance, he says this, let us honor the Holy Ghost. So I pray that as we get into today's message, that we will do it with the strengthen, the strengthening of the Holy Spirit's power. That we will not do it according to our own strength, according to our own wits and our own knowledge, but we will depend on him today. Amen. Let's trust in him and let's follow him this afternoon. So today's message, we're on part 10 now of our Philippians series. And the title is called, How You Think Matters. Turn to your neighbor and say, how you think think matters. matters. 
Let's go with today's passage, Philippians 4, chapter 4, verse 8 through 9. It says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And the key word here is think. Verse 9 says this, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Three points for us. Number one. Number one is this. What you think will determine what you will do. I'll say it again. What you think will determine what you will do. Meaning what you put in, what you watch, and in he- and here is what you will act, what you will do. There's a quote that says, I think, therefore I am. What that quote is saying is this, I am able to think, therefore I exist. It's saying thinking is occurring. If you've ever gone to a, a match or sports match, if you've ever, if you, if you ever done an ath- athletic event, when you go to an event, if you have already lost the battle in your mind, you have already lost the physical fight. In a wrestling match or any sports match, if you have lost the battle in your thought, then you have already lost the physical battle. Meaning you must believe in it so much that you're going to win, that you think it into existence. What I put inside my mind determines what comes out of my life. I'll say it again. What you put inside your mind, what I put inside my mind determines what comes out of my life, what comes out of your life. How you think shall determine how you will perform. Meaning, if you have a victim's mentality, that in any event, any situation that will happen to you, you will make excuses and you will blame everyone for all your failures, and you will never grow to the next level. Excuses after excuses. But if you have a victorious mentality, even in a, in a time when you lose your match, even in a time when you lose, you learn from your mistakes and you overcome failure after failure, and you come to a place of success. That's why in verse 8, it tells us, finally, brothers and sisters, Paul is telling us, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Think about that. Paul here is telling us that program your minds. With what? With what? What The scripture here is telling us with what is true, with what is noble, with what is right, with what is pure, with what is lovely, admirable, what is excellent, what is praiseworthy. He's saying think about these things. Program your mind to think about what is true. Paul here is teaching us to program your minds in such a way that you have no choice but to become that, but to seek the things of God. Are you depressed today? Do you somehow feel lonely at this moment if you're alone in this world? Are you down today? Are you filled with anxiety at this moment? Are you filled with heaviness and sadness in your heart? Think of what is true. Know what is true. As a Christian man and woman of God, Paul is reminding us, think of the goodness of God, the good things of God, how he has had mercy on you, and that today is a gift from God, and that today is a new day. That you remember the scriptures, the words in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 to 23. That it says this, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. 
the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. You should memorize the scripture and say to yourself every single morning, every time you wake up, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. That his mercies are new every morning. That his mercies never come to an end. Great is your faithfulness. The faithfulness of God. 1 Peter 1.3 reminds us that praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So the question, do you struggle with impure thoughts? Do you have problems with lustful thoughts? I have sub points for us, and I'm going I'm to say it, I'm going to share it in a form of questions to help you, to help us examine ourselves, to help you examine yourselves. And I want to encourage you to be true in your examinations, in your answers to these questions in a form of sub points. Letter A, what are you watching? What are you watching? What am I watching? Are you keeping your eyes pure, seeing, reading, eyes? Do we have googly eyes, double-looking eyes? When we see a woman or a man, we see them in a lustful way. We see it with double-glancing eyes. Hey, I'm just looking. I'm just looking at these images, or I'm looking at this person with impure thoughts with my eyes. I'm just looking. What is the big deal? What the big deal is that your eye, the scripture tells us, is the lamp to your body. That's why Matthew chapter 6, verse 22, 23 says, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is the darkness? I know that this passage in context is talking about mammon versus God. It's about money versus God. But I'm talking about every sin that came with the fall with Adam and Eve. Greed, our desire, our pursuit for money and power. The eyes, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. Let us remember, what are you watching? What am I watching day to day when I'm home, when I'm by myself? Galatians 5, 19 to 20 reminds us the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Colossians 4. Chapter 3, verse 5 to 6 reminds us, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. That's why in 2 Samuel, chapter 11, verse 2, reminds us that David, King David, one evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of his palace 
from the roof, he saw, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. It all begins with the eyes. What are you watching? Letter B. The second question is, who are you talking to? Who am I talking to? And letter C. Who are you listening to? Who am I listening to? As Christians, we must replace the junk in our lives with what is true. That's why, again, our main passage, verse 8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And the question is, what is true? What is true? The truth is the Word of God. The Word of God is what is the truth. It's what is right. Romans 12, verse 2 tells us, Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but what? But be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and prove what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed. It begins with your thoughts. What you think will determine what you will do. Point number two. Who you allow in your inner circle will determine who you will be. I'll say it again. Who you allow in your inner circle will determine who you will be. Show me your friends and I will show you your future. We've heard that quote before. Who you hang out with is who you will become. Whom you allow in your inner circle is the person that we will become. There's a thing that I saw on, on a post, and it's about a UCLA college basketball teammate. This is one shorter guy, one tall guy. I don't know the context of what happened, but apparently he's discouraged, and he keeps his head down. The friend comes right behind him. He tucks his head up, says, keep your head up. And within that, it says, the only type of friends, the headline said, the only type of friends I allow in my life. Do you have people who are encouraging you? I'm not saying they're flattering you always. They're just telling you what you want to hear. I'm talking about true friends who tell you what you need to hear. True friendships, true, true people, true mentors, true people who care about you and who love you, who will speak the truth, who are willing to hurt you even if it, if, if, if it, even if it may hurt your pride. But it's going to better you. It's going to encourage you. It's going to strengthen you. He's going to discipline you. If you have those type of people in your life, then you are blessed. But if you hang out with people who just flatter you, people who are prone to wanting to do evil, to commit acts of sin, and they ask you to come and do it together, they bring you to a place of downfall, then we must reevaluate our friendships, the people that we allow, the people, the inner circle that we have in our lives. Show me your friends, and I will show you your future. 
family also. Now, we can't choose which family that we are born into. But that does not mean that we should be loyal to a fault. When I say loyal to a fault, I'm talking about blind loyalty to our family members, which oftentimes can lead to disastrous consequences. It's not about choosing a side, choosing this person or that person. It's about choosing the right side. And choose friends, choose people. Have an inner circle of people who are standing on the right side, not on the wrong side. Stand with people who are with you, who walk with you. In in a different message, we talked about in referencing to 2 Samuel chapter 13, verse 1 through 2. Uh, In chapter 13, it talks about a uh, a very uh, disturbing text about a brother who rapes his half-sister. And in that passage, we see that Amnon, the son of David, he falls in love with Tamar. The scripture tells us that she was very beautiful, the beautiful sister of Absalom, son of David. And Amnon, it says, he became obsessed with his sister Tamar, that he made himself ill. She was a virgin, the scripture tells us, and it seemed impossible for him to do anything to her. This is his sister. Amnon, the oldest, who shares the same father, half-sister with Tamar, he falls in love with this woman. And we see in this passage that it's not love, that it is lust. And we see in this scripture, it reminds us that Amnon had an advisor, and we could call an advisor a friend, right? Who you allow in your inner circle. He had an advisor, and his name was Jonadad. Jonadab, son of Shemiah, David's brother. Jonadab, the scripture tells us he was a very shrewd man. And some translation says he was wise. Well, Satan is also shrewd and wise. The scripture is telling us that Jonadab was crafty like Satan. And what we learn from this text is be very careful. Be very wise in who you go to to seek advice, who you get advice from to whom you allow in your inner circle, into your inner circle. Many times, like minds draw in like characters. Like characters draw in like minds. You must choose godly individuals. And the scripture reminds us that he asked Amnon, why do you, Jonathan, he's asking, why do you, Amnon, the king's son, look so haggard? Morning after morning, won't you tell me Amnon said to him, I'm in love with Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister, my half-sister. And this is what Jonadab says. Go to bed and pretend to be ill, Jonadab said. When your father comes to see you, say to him, I would like my sister Tamar to come and give me something to eat. Let her prepare the food in my sight so I may watch her and then eat it from her hand. So Amnon lay down and pretended to be ill. When the king came to see him, Amnon said to him, I would like my sister Tamar to come and make some special bread in my side so I might eat it from her hand. And we understand the end of the story found here in 2 Samuel chapter 13. It's a very disturbing text. He ends up raping his sister. And we understand it was not love, it was lust. And the key thing that we can get from this passage is be very careful who you get advice from. 
This is his half-sister. If Jonadab was a true friend, if Jonadab was a godly man, what would he have told him? He would have said, Amnon, he would have slapped him in the face and said, snap out of it. This is your sister. How can you claim to love your sister? But no, he gives him a plan. Go and pretend to be ill, shrewd, crafty like Satan, giving the right words, what he wants to hear, not what he needs to hear. And we understand, point number two, who you allow in your inner circle will determine who you will be. That's why verse 9 reminds us, going back to our main passage, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, Paul is saying, whatever you have learned, whatever you have received, whatever you have heard from me or seen in me in my life, in my actions, in my heart before God, in my devotion to Jesus Christ. He's saying put it into practice. We talked about putting things into practice. And it says the God of peace and the God of peace will be with you. I want you to name at least two godly people in your life right now who can speak the truth into your life. If you have more, then you're blessed. Even if you have one, you are blessed. Sometimes one is better than ten. That one individual is a special individual who will speak not what you want to hear, but what you need to hear. I've always been a big fan of sports with like combat sports, like with judo wrestling, uh, with MMA. I try not to watch too much. I do keep in t- keep up to date with some ath- athletes here today who transition from a judo to or or wrestler to an MMA. There's this one lady. Her name is Kayla Kayla Harrison, and she's a two-time gold Olympic medalist. And she said, and there was another person. If you, I'm sure you guys know, she was very famous and popular. Who brought the women MMA into into the whole, into the stage, and her name is Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey was a silver medalist, was a bronze medalist for judo, for the Olympics. And we see here Kayla Harrison. They, they compare Kayla Harrison. She's a new and upcoming athlete. And they compare her. She's an MMA fighter now. And they compare her to Ronda Rousey. And in the article, she says this. Harrison credits Rousey, Ronda Rousey, for being so good at mixed martial arts that it provided a platform for future female athletes to compete in the UFC. As Dana White once said, he never promote women's fighting, but changed his mind once he saw Rousey. For sure, Ronda, Ronda Rousey blazed that trail, Harrison told Business Insider, reading the article. She was so good, they couldn't ignore her. Are you kidding? It takes a very special person to do that. She was the perfect person at the time to make that happen. I think she has a lot of people, maybe around her, that don't necessarily, because Rhonda's career in MMA went downhill. And she was never the same. And, and, and she says that she was the perfect person at the time to make that happen. I think that she has a lot of people, maybe around her, that don't, that don't necessarily have Rhonda's best interests at heart. Harrison told TMZ. I think she needs to take a good, hard look at her, 
look at that and maybe go back to day one. Maybe go back to her family. Maybe go back to original coaches who helped her to be successful and say, okay, I really know that these people do care about me, not just as a fighter, not as a money-making machine, not as an actress, not as a celebrity, but as Ronda Rousey. She just needs to know that the people who truly care about her are going to be there for her no matter what happens. I mean, God forbid I ever lose, or if I had lost the Olympics, Kayla Harrison is saying, I think the people who love me would still love me whether I would have won or lost. And she should know that. I think she needs to be surrounded by those people at this, at this time. I think she really needs to do some soul searching. I think she needs to figure out what it is that she wants to do in her life and what she wants to accomplish and what really makes Rhonda happy. If we don't have godly people around us right now, you must do some soul searching and you must ask yourself why. Because point number two, again, it says who you allow in your inner circle will determine who you will be. Who are your circle of friends? Who are your advisors? Who are the people that are speaking into your life? Take a look, long, hard look at your life right now at this moment. Leading into point number three, our last point. Where you stand will determine where you will end. I'll say it again. Where you stand will determine where you will end in your life. There's a quote that says, if you don't stand for something, you will fall for anything. Those who stand for nothing will fall for anything. And the question is, what do you stand for, man and woman of God? What do you stand for? Psalm 1, the passage that we all know as Christians, the passage that we memorize as mission team, that we know by heart, what does it say? Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Or what? Stand in the way of sinners. Stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers, not so the wicked. They're like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. Blessed is a man who does not stand in the way of sinners. Meaning if you live according to the standards and the ways of this world, the world is what you will get. You will get all the accomplishments and all the success that comes with the world that the world has to offer. And you receive all the world that has, that has to offer and it will equal to nothing. Nothing. But if you live according to the word of God, you will gain everything, even if you lose the world. Even if you lose everything in this world. Where you stand will determine where you will end. Another quote that says, if you live by the sword, 
you will die by the sword. It's taken from the passage where Jesus talks to Peter. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 53, when Peter strikes and cuts the ear off, he's either really good or he's really lucky to cut someone's ear off. That's really difficult. And after he had done so, Jesus tells Peter, put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him. For all who draw the sword will die by the sword. In other translations, it says, those who use the sword will die by the sword, NLT. ESV says, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. And Jesus goes and he says, do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? Jesus had all the right to destroy these evil sinners who are wrongly accusing him. But Jesus reminds us, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. What this passage is saying, if you live your whole life, your whole lives with revenge, poksu, right? Revenge, getting back at everyone who hurts you. You hurt me, I hurt you back. If all we do is seek revenge, we will surely end up alone with no one on our side. Again, it's not about people. It's about God. It's about having the fear of God, the judgment of God, the judgment that that we will be judged by God. It's a question, how will God judge me according to my life and and how I handle myself in conflicts? Meaning if God were to see my life right now, how will God determine my actions and my heart and my thoughts? How will God judge me? If you live according to the standard of this world, we will surely die and perish. But Jesus, he reminds us to not live by the sword, to not live with revenge, seeking revenge, attacking others the way that you have been attacked, the way that the world is so prone to using the method of revenge, seeking revenge to our enemies, to people who hurt us. Someone cuts us off. We do the same thing. We do the same thing or even more to inflict harm and pain. How will God judge our actions, our hearts, and our thoughts? That's why it says in verse 9, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. Remember, they didn't have the Bible at at that time. But they had the apostles. They had Paul. Follow me as I follow Christ. Put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. As Christians, we need to put in the work. We need to put in the hours and put our faith into practice as Paul tells us here. Put it into practice. It's not enough that we go to church every Sunday. It's not enough that we listen to sermon online, how many worship songs we listen to. It's not enough that we listen to a sermon every Sunday. How many of us, how many of you can remember last week's message? Or even the scripture? What about this past Wednesday scripture lesson that we did? It's easy to carry around around our Bibles 
in our backpacks, in our car, in the back of our, where the window is, to look holier than thou, or to post up something motivational with scripture on our social media, to look good in front of people, to look good, to do the right thing, quote-unquote, right thing in front of the camera when the camera is rolling, but when the camera is shut, behind the scenes, in the shadows, we do shady things. It's easy to look good. But it's another thing to be holy, to have true fear of God. Not to be holier than thou. It's easy to do these surface things if our lives are different from social media to what is true. It's easy to memorize scripture. It's easy to memorize scripture and not know the truth and the meaning behind the scripture to why I do what I do. To know and understand the meaning behind the passage. Why I have the faith that I have. Why I go to church. We need to know the truth behind the reasoning. The reason behind why I do what I do. Not just going through the motions. Not just going through the motions of Christianity. Do not forget the foundation. Our foundation is the cross. The blood of Jesus Christ. The blood that washes our sins. The truth. The foundation that I am a child of God. That I'm not here on this earth as an accident. That there's purpose to my life. That God has called me so that I can have life and life to the full. Not a life that lives by the scraps that is given in the world. The counterfeiter, Satan himself, the deceiver, is nothing in comparison to the true gifts, the truth. Of our identity in Christ. Do not forget that you are a child of God. A child of God is obedient to God. I'll say it again. A child of God is obedient to God. If you're writing this down, please write obedience is key. Obedience is everything to God. Obedience is everything. Where you stand will determine where you will end. Point number three. Where you stand will determine where you will end. Who you obey will determine your end. Who you obey. Please turn to your neighbor and say, stand and obey. And who do you obey? Do you obey God or do you obey yourself? Do you obey the world? Verse 9, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. We will have peace everlasting for all of eternity through our Lord Jesus Christ. Obedience, again, is key. It's everything. Obedience means you have an undivided heart, a heart that is right, a heart that is right before God. Do you have an undivided heart? Or do you have a heart that is divided? I got my, my career here, my family here, the worldly things that I like here. And God, you have a little bit of a corner here in my heart. 
I only call you like a magical genie only when I need you. An undivided heart is a full heart that is obedient to God. I don't know if you guys know this song. It is a song that I that I sang since I was I was young. I remember going to bed. I would play in a cassette. I don't know if you guys are uh, too young to to know this, but uh, for the oldies here, we understand that we had cassettes that we used to play. We used to like make mixtapes with it, and and I, w- I used to have a boombox right by my head. And I used to put the tape and I used to play it, and this song would come in. And the song is called Undivided Heart. And the song, the way it goes, and I'm going to ask the praise team to help me with this song. It's a very simple song. And I want to encourage you to just follow along. The, the words will be on the bottom of the screen. And can we just sing it together and just worship God just for a quick moment as we close up this message. And the song, it begins with this. Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Show me your paths, O Lord, for I am devoted to you. Purify my heart's desire. I long to be your servant. Give me an undivided heart that I might fear your name. Give me an undivided heart. No other gods, no other love, no other gods before you. Can we just all sing this together? Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Show me your paths. Show me your paths, O Lord, for I am devoted to you. Purify my heart's desire. I long to be your servant. Give me an undivided heart. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. Give me an undivided heart. Give me an undivided heart. No other gods. No other love. Again, no other gods. No other gods. No other love. Again. No other gods. No other love, no other gods before you. Let's sing the chorus one more time. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. One more time. Let's make this our prayer. Give me an undivided heart. No other gods, no other love, no other gods before you. 
with our eyes closed. Let us be reminded of today's message with the song that we just closed with. Psalm 86 tells us, Teach me your way, Lord, that I might rely on your faithfulness. Lord, give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. I will praise you, Lord my God, with all my heart, and I will glorify your name forever. Psalm 25 reminds us, show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Jesus, you remind us in John 14 that anyone who loves me will obey. Not maybe, not when they want to or when they feel like it. They will. It's a choice that we make. And it's a decision that we make before God. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them. And we will come to them and make our home with them. Do you have a home in God right now? If you don't, and if you want to know the Savior, cry out to Him. Repent of your sins. Allow the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ that was shed for us to wash you clean. May you find forgiveness and hope in the name above all names, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember point number three, where you stand will determine where you will end. Who you obey will determine your end. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. The Lord does not delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord. As it says, 1 Samuel 15. To obey is better than sacrifice. It's not about coming to church. It's not about you giving your offering. It's not about you making your sacrifice and offerings to God. But it's about your obedience, the life obedience to God. Are you living in obedience to God? Are you following Him wholeheartedly right now at this time? To obey is better than sacrifice. Let us obey him. Let us obey him at this time. Let us obey him. Don't forget who you belong to. Going back to point number one. What you think will determine what you will do. The sub points in one is what are you watching? Who are you talking to? Who are you listening to? Point number two. Who you allow in your inner circle will determine who you will be. Show me your group of friends. Show me your inner circle. Show me your advisors. And I will show you your future. Like minds will draw in like characters. Like characters will draw in like minds. Let us not find friends like Jonadab as Ennan did. Find godly friends. Godly friends who will support you and discipline you, who will encourage you, who will speak the truth in love, will hurt you now so that we will avoid disaster later. And point number three, 
Point number three. Where you stand will determine where you will end. Where you stand will determine where you will end. If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Those who, don't, those who stand for nothing will fall for anything. What do you stand for, man and woman of God? Let's reflect upon this question. Let's reflect upon these points. Where you stand will determine where you will end. Who you obey will determine your end. Where do you stand right now? Do you stand among sinners or do you stand with the righteous? Where are you, holy man and woman of God? Stand up and fight. Pursue him right now. Seek him while he may be found at this time. Seek his face. Seek his face. Can we pray together? Can we have this time to pray together? Let's cry out to him. Let's remember how you think matters. How you think matters. Let's pray together. Strengthen them, that you renew them, Father. Help them to hold on to you wholeheartedly, O God. Allow them to have an undivided heart, O God, an undivided heart. God, teach them your ways, O Lord, that they will walk in righteousness, that they will walk in holiness, that they will walk in your truth. Show them your path, O Lord. Lord, let them be devoted to you. Let them walk with you. Undivided heart, a heart that is loyal, loyal to you, O Lord, that we will follow you, O heart, that we will seek your face, that we will know who you are, that we will know who we belong to. Jesus, speech, we need you to speak to us, speak to us, speak your truth into our lives, God, speak your truth into our lives. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Think. Think about them. Think about the goodness of God. 
Think about the grace you have received. Think, the, think about the mercy that you have received. Think about the good things of our Lord Jesus Christ. Know that. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. May the God of peace, which transcends all understanding, come upon you at this time. May the peace of God that transcends all understanding come upon you at this time. May you seek Him with prayer and petition to present your request to God with thanksgiving. And may the peace of God, which transcends understanding, come upon you at this time. May you right now at this time know what is noble, know what is right, know what is pure, know what is lovely, know what is admirable, know what is excellent, know what is praiseworthy, know what is true. Not just to think about them, but to know them in your heart. I think, therefore, I am. Help me, Lord, to win the battle in my mind. Not in my own strength, but by the strength, by the strengthening of the Holy Spirit, of the Holy Ghost. And as Paul said, Lord, may we follow and learn from what you have shown us through your word, through your scripture. May we learn from the life of Paul, from the life of the faithful ones who lived their life fully for the kingdom of God. And ultimately, Lord, you, you are our ultimate example, the one who went and went to the end to die on the cross for us so that we can have life. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, may we put it into practice. Put it into practice, as Paul says. And the God of peace will be with you. Lord, we ask for the peace that transcends our understanding to come upon us. Lord, I pray for an undivided heart, for an undivided heart to walk in your truth, to live fully for the kingdom of God. That is all or nothing, Lord. Help us to live it all for you. We love you. We thank you for this time together. We give all glory to your name. Take all the honor and praise for this service, O oh Lord. We love you. We thank you. Pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, in my prayer. And God's people pray. Amen and amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And may the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And now may the God of peace, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in you, in us, what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. And as God's people, we pray, amen and amen. God bless you guys. I love you guys. 
I truly miss you guys. Be safe, and I'll see you soon. God bless you.